you hear a lot about, you know, I can't find good help. And, and what I have found is the help needs to come to you. You, if you create the culture and, you know, this is something that you can't produce overnight, but if, if you produce a culture where people feel like they're taken care of and it's a great place to work, that the word is going to get out. ATWF, welcome to All Things Wood Floor, the podcast for the Wood Floor Brilliant, brought to you by Wood Floor Business. I'm your host, Steve Diggins from Horizon Forest Products, the Wood Floor Experts from Maine to Miami, and a sharp turn right all the way to Texas, where today we're going to welcome Matt Garcia of Craftsman Hardwood Floors, San Angelo, Texas. Matt is an award-winning flooring contractor who will be sharing his expertise working with high-end clients, uh, his thoughts on craftsmanship, design elements, and business strategies in our industry today. Matt Garcia is the Floor Pro's Floor Pro, so welcome aboard Floor Pro's from around the world. And with no further delay, let's get to it. Right. <laughs> don't even say it, Matt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're like, I don't trust you. It's, you know what's funny? I have this thing with the guys. So, like, when it comes to like stain samples and like, um, you know, duplicating a stain or really even just putting a stain. I always tell my guys, listen, double check everything because I don't trust stain. Like I just, like every time I like, like I've already sampled it. Like I know everything's right and I'm still like, I wipe it down and just stare at like the first wipe and I'm like, before we get any farther than this, I'm going to really, really make sure that this stain color is is what it needs to be. <laughs> Oh, Matthew Garcia, welcome finally at last to All Things Wood Floor. See, I didn't even give you the cue this time because I, 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 I'm up and recording. So Saturday Night Live has their two timers or five timers club. You're the first yeah. official second guest I've ever had with no one ever even hearing you the first time. Nice. <laughs> Got to count for something somewhere. Yeah. Uh, for for those seen. of the podcasts that don't know what's previously happened, we talked for, I don't know, it was just a short call, maybe, I don't know, five hours. We talked about, we solved all the world's problems. We came up with everything to help the flooring industry. And after we got done, none of it was recorded. So right now I <laughs> have- fixed every problem. Oh my God, it, you know what? NASA should crazy. call me. I've got Zoom recording now. So we will have video and audio, which I will only share with you. I checked my recorder. I've got backup that's running a cord to the phone. I've got stuff all over the place just to make sure I found out what went wrong. I'm watching the recorder. It says that we're up live and running. So welcome for the second time. Let me tell the people. Uh, Matt Garcia is from Craftsman Hardwood Flooring, uh, flooring in uh, San Angelo, Texas. Uh You know what? Let's get right back at it while I'm fiddling with all this equipment and garbage. Uh Give me a little bit about the area that you're in. Tell everybody what you do, and you and I will get rolling at this all over again. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm out of San Angelo, Texas. Uh, moved here about eight years ago um, from California and uh, started my uh, business from scratch. So I've been in the industry for over 20 years. But, um, yeah, that's the area that I'm in, and I've uh, been really loving it. We're kind of rural area. Um, um, the, the town's about a hundred thousand people, but you know, it's, it, it's been a, a, definitely a nice journey, a nice ride. Last time I was out there was, I think 87 when it was my first NWFA convention in Dallas. 
and um, you know, I've been a member ever since. You you got to be a good what? You're it's about four or five hours from there. Is that right? You're in the middle of the state. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, we're we're about four hours from the nearest distribution. If that kind of puts things in perspective. Well, what is the nearest distribution? Oh, from your distributor. Wow. Yeah, Dallas area. Yeah. What if I opened a place in Abilene? What's that about an hour and a half? No, that would be nice. Yeah. Yeah, let's half. do that. I'll open yeah. it. What do you want? You, you like rosin paper, uh, aqua bar B? What do you, I'll stock the whole place up. You'll be good to go. Uh, all of the above. <laughs> but, you are, but you're not from there, right? Uh, California, is that right? Yep. Yep. California. How did That's everything right. start there and how'd you get over to Texas? Yeah. So uh, I'm third generation. My grandfather did it. Uh, my dad did it. Um, um, when I was, you know, so I obviously summers and weekends, you know, with dad and, and I actually, so, so my grandfather moved to Colorado and, uh, you know, it's a different market than California where we were. And, uh, he was doing, um, solid strip flooring and, uh, you know, unfinished. And we just weren't doing as much of that in California. And, uh, in fact, my dad wasn't even sanding and finishing. And so, uh, when I went to Colorado and I saw the unfinished wood and, him, you know, site finishing and it. I mean, it really just lit that fire uh, under my belt uh, seeing that. And so, um, you know, that was really influential. So when I, you know, when, when I was working, when I decided to, I actually graduated early um, at 16 wow. and uh, I did home studies and I aced the California high school proficiency test. And so my mom said, you got to go to school until you're 18 years old. And so I said, well, that, that's cool. I mean, I, I really don't mind school. I've been doing home studies. So, you know, let's, let's see how I can do in the college realm of things. And uh, after one year, I think I worked at a golf course, like from 16 to 17, was going to school. Uh, I just, I wanted to work. And so I, I kind of like, was basically doing school full-time and work full-time. And, uh, and then I, I decided I wanted to go work with my dad because I, I just remember, gosh, you know, like this golf surf, the, the golf course thing, it just it doesn't hold a candle to what I did with my dad. So right. of course I come back and uh, do about a year and I'm just going, you know what? Like I like school. I don't, I really don't mind it, but everything that I want is in, is in flooring. And I knew I wanted to go in the wood floor like direction at that point. So being able to do that was just like a huge passion. And I, I don't regret it one bit. And that's your third generation, right? You could your, your grandfather did this too. Yes. But they were all in California. It was a different there. Was it all, you know, nailed down strip, or was there a lot of different things going on? I don't know what area of California where they were in. Was it different? Yeah, you know, um, I was born in, or was born in Ventura, California, and they had some older homes and some, you know, solid strip flooring that you, you know, commonly see more across the United States. But um, I grew actually grew up in Paso Robles, California, and it. It just doesn't have as much historical homes. There's a few here and there, but the refinished market is is very low. Um, a lot of new refinished was going in, and um, so that's what we capitalized on was more so like the the prefinished market because it, it was a big sheet vinyl and carpet market, you know, believe it or not. And you know, around like 1995, it really started shifting more towards the wood floor market, you know, but it was more prefinished um stuff there and um so that's just what we did so um that's where i started and you know i would work with my grandfather in colorado doing the site finish stuff and that's really i knew that i needed an opportunity to get into the site finish and if i really wanted to do one all the custom work that i wanted to do 
So were you doing right off the bat install sand to finish? Was were they more sand to finish crew installed? Did or they did a little bit of everything? Did they do carpet, vinyl tile, all that stuff? Um, in Colorado or back, like what, back, back, starting with your grandparents and your father, did they do all of that? Was it everything or just wood flooring? You know, actually, it was everything. Um, they did commercial work, um, resilience, uh, carpets. Um, by the time I started with my dad, he said, I'm, I'm done with carpet, understandably. Yeah. <laughs> People say, I'm done with paint. I'm done with drywall. I'm done with carpet. It seems to be that. Yeah. yeah that's, that's exactly. Yeah. So then from at what point in your career did you say, you know what, I think I'm going to do this and I'm going to move, take it from California to Texas. Was that recently? Um, about eight years ago. Oh, okay. Good. So, yeah, um, I actually met my wife. She was living in Kenya. She was working, um, yeah, for a children's home there. And um, when I had met her, um, she had been in Kenya for two years. And so I actually had, a, we met through a mutual friend and I went to spend about a month in Kenya with her and we just really hit it off. And we kind of came to a, a point where, okay, I live in Kenya or she lives in Kenya. I live in California. And uh, we just decided, you know, Hey, you know, she needed to renew her visa. And so she came back to California with me. And so we, uh, and it's kind of a neat story, but we were married like within a year, like we just hit it off. Like it's just total, you know, idealistic, like love story there. And so I'm really blessed in that respect. But what it did is it, you know, um, I was running, you know, kind of running a, a the business with a family there in California. And so with my, my wife is born and raised where we live now in San Angelo, uh, Texas. So, you know, um, once we started having kids, we had the opportunity to buy some property on some family land on a, on a, like kind of a ranch type farm and it, it was riverfront, you know, ponds, you know, like two acre pond on the property, beautiful oak trees and everything. And we, and, and I just go, and I, and I noticed that there was a bigger refinish market and I knew, okay, that will really get my, the full wood flooring uh, part of my career together because now, you know, I can use that to really get my name out there on the site finish side and, and in uh, doing the the all the custom work I wanted to do, and it's just a great Texas is very business friendly, and it was just a great spot for me to open up my retail location. So it's once we it's like all the cards aligned, right? So it's it's you know um, like my family opportunity is great, business opportunity is great. It's just hey, let, let's do it. Let's just let's just roll. It's a calling, man. It screams at you. So you must you were down there, but is that the Conchos River? Because they, yeah. they have the Conscious River Walk. I mean, it's beautiful. You think, oh, it's a big desert. You look at the middle of the map or you look at uh, the Google Maps. I'm like, oh, my God, it's absolutely beautiful down there. The, the homes must be stunning, too. I'm like, we have our Boston homes, our New Englanders, or et cetera. What is, what is the design element there? Is it like we have our New Englander? What do you guys have? What's the standard fare down there for the older homes? Yeah, you know, um, it is interesting. You see the older homes, you see... French Tudor style, Victorian style, uh, colonial. I mean, it's really a hodgepodge. Um, I was really surprised um, driving through the old parts of town when I first got here because um, I see so many of the different styles of the older homes throughout the United States. And and then you have the farmhouse style. And you know, there really wasn't one particular style. But the newer homes, let's say you get past 
you know, cause they got mid-century moderns here. You know, I mean, it's, 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 it's interesting. And so, um, but most of the newer homes, it, it, they do have more of a unique Texas style. I would say um, a lot of brick homes, um, but they use local brick and like a Southwest stone. Adobe or just something different. No, it's, oh. it's not, they call it Austin stone. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, the, the, it's almost kind of like a, mixture of farmhouse with some of the local building products that they use here. It, it is a unique style. It is, it's very much different than what you see new in California right now. You have more, you know, there's not much Mediterranean look here, um, which that was very prominent in California. Um, but yeah, I mean, you see a little bit of it here and there. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it definitely was an adjustment. At first I didn't like it. And then it, it grew on me and I'm going, oh, well, I actually have an appreciation for some of this. It's funny when you, when you're, it's like that mind shift has to happen and you go, oh, wow, this actually, actually it's growing on me. When you're a floor pro, you start working with that stuff. You start working in that media or that genre. And next thing you know, you yeah. get good at it. You're like, wow, I'm part of the culture. I'm part of the history. And you're, you're digging it. You're picking up the same uh, tools and the same design ideas from somebody 100 years ago, 75 years ago, 150 years ago. I, I know that you write and contribute um, to Woodford Business Magazine and other things, and I, I caught a little something in there. Did you were you was your company Craftsman Hardwood in Tech? Was it Texas Living Magazine? Yeah. What, yeah. what, what was it? Yeah, I saw some the, of those photos. What, how did you get into that one? Yeah. So um, that was actually one of my more pro my projects that was more early on when we moved. Uh, luckily, we had gotten linked up with a designer and. Um, in our, the area that we're in wasn't offering, believe it or not, there wasn't any companies that were offering new, much in the new site finish uh, realm of the business. It was either pre-finished or you had companies that refinished. And it just so happened that most of the people that were doing both were either retiring or dying. I'm, literally, that's, right. that's the story I was getting. I'm like, are you serious here? And I mean, that's where it really did open up the opportunity because this designer was looking for that. Um, and so um, she she really fed us that type of, she helped change the culture of the types of flooring that people are used to seeing in San Angelo because it was going to all tiles and LVPs. And I mean, it was really a shame and it really was just that it wasn't on the menu, you know, new site, new site finished flooring was not on the menu. And so um, that has been a really cool ride to see, um, you know, and it, it's, you know, it gets in the magazines because it catches people attention. You know, she has, she now can name the stain color after her design firm, you know, and wow. have her own proprietary colors and things like that. And so, I mean, when she realized what we could do and I was hungry, right? Yep. So, you know, I'm, I'm just saying, hey, you know, let's, let's, let me, let me show you what we can do. Let's, let's show this town what we can do. Cause now I'm site finishing and, and, uh, and, uh, doing the custom work and, and really taking all the elements and putting it together. Well, am I right? Well, you were doing hand scraping too, right? Yeah, mm -hmm. we don't see there that here at all. Is that just something that's a byproduct, or does somebody say, "Hi, I would like you to install a floor for me and hand scrape it and finish it," or is it just something that you guys took up and ran with? Because I hear it's happening in the Southwest; it's not happening here. 
Yeah. Um, and just to be clear, yep. I'm not a fan of the Texas cross scrape because every time I do a training or something, they, they hear, I'm t- oh, do you do that Texas cross scrape? And I'm just like, I guess it's a thing, but nobody's ever asked me to do it. And and I'm just, yeah, I'm, I don't, <laughs> I'm not hey, a fan what, of that. Listen, explain for us, what is the Texas cross scrape? Is that they just drag it right across and keep on going? Yeah, cross grain. Cross I mean, grain it and almost everything. makes it look like alligator skin. The way that the grains. Well, when you see pre-finished companies do it, some of them you're like, really? They just take an angle grinder and just, or somebody will take a saw blade on an angle grinder and drag it across it. Uh, Then there's actual hand scraping, which I saw some photos of of your guys doing with the grain, you know, the right way. Uh, But but you know, and I picked up some stuff from you too. It's great when you travel around the country because I went to the office today and I said, you know, I. I saw something, I noticed it, it just, I logged it in my brain, never thought about it again. I was doing a floor inspection and just something struck me and you said it last time, we were talking about pillowed edges. I got a pillowed edge. I've seen every edge, every type of floor construction there is. You said pillowed and I never heard it and it hit me like a ton of bricks what it was and I went to my office, I dug through thousands of samples till I could find something and I said, there it is! And I dragged my guys in, I go, look at this. Matt says, and I guarantee that's a pillowed edge. Where... Where two floors come together, let's say it's pre-finished, and we get a lot of it now with the hand-scraped or the, or the sculpted, and it's not like the two edges of the boards just meet or they're pinched or they're beveled or there's a deep bevel. The entire like quarter-inch edge of the board just fades down almost like a, a pillow, and you look at that floor, you go, how would I ever be able to refinish this? They're deep. Is that what that is that you were trying to explain to me, the pillowed edge? Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's just it's a tapered edge. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got the, uh, a dry erase board and, uh, I used to do a training class. So I just <laughs> put one in last week and I, I love, they're like, Oh God, he's going to that thing again. And I love to draw. I go, this is the pillowed edge. It's now part of my portfolio. So I got your hand scrape and I got your pillowed edge. And then I'm looking and online, you got, you, you got an award. Was it 2021 wood floor business? Which one was it award that you got? It must've been a, di- yeah. a design award. What was that for? Yeah, so um, we actually put uh, that floor in our showroom and um, funny backs, well, it wasn't really funny at the time, but the backstory <laughs> behind that was we, I had signed a lease. I, was, I actually had a warehouse area in a building and the front part of the building I thought would be an ideal showroom. Um, it had a nice front, um, you know, like rock work and, and nice front entry doors and all that kind of thing. And I go, oh, wow, that that would be great. So I talked to the landlord shortly after signing the lease to, for, to get a warehouse in the back about the front, um, thinking, hey, you know, just whenever this tenant is out, uh, let me know. I'd like first dibs to put a showroom up there. And he goes, oh, that's great, great timing because these guys are going to be out in like two months. <laughs> so I go, well, I mean, he likes to sign three to five year leases. So I better jump on this now. So we signed the lease. I'm go, okay, here we go. Uh, this is the goal anyways. This is just going to post a little more on the fast track. And so, uh, um, you know, so basically fall of 2019 is when I did that. And of course the pandemic hits in 2020 shortly after, and I'm just going, Oh my gosh, you know, this is, what are we doing? We just signed a lease on this thing. Like I'm all in, you know, we got to make this thing work. But, but anyways, uh, you know, I, I wanted to put a, I wanted, I didn't really want the every, you know, 20, 30 square feet is a different floor look for the showroom. Right. I really just wanted a clean, nice looking, 
Um, I believe we did a four inch white oak, you know, it's just been so popular and uh, did that. But I wanted a showpiece right when you walk in that would just get pre people's creativity flowing, just kind of make their mind blow on what we actually can do. So it's like, okay, here we can do like the classic clean looking plank floor, or we can blow your socks off with a, with the design. And, you know, we, we did curved, um, elements in the border. We inlaid the Texas star into all the corners. We did a mansion weave with white oak and walnut. And we, uh, I actually even stained the walnut a different color. I wanted the white oak to have a ceruse look. Yep. And I wanted the wa the walnut to be like that iconic, you know, dark walnut look. And uh, I, you, obviously, if you try to put a ceruse product on walnut, it just, it looks horrible. It just looks milky. And so I taped the entire thing off it. I had about 14 hours of taping, but I, I stained the, the walnut in the everything. <laughs> Two different colors. <laughs> Honestly, I think that's what really put it over the top because that's what made it look striking. You know, seeing Saru's, you know, um, look on the on the white oak and then having the dark walnut. I mean, that's that's something you can't just uh, slap on and, and produce. Like it takes an extreme amount of effort. No, and I we was really yeah. When I was like four hours into it, I thought it would only take about four hours. And at the four hour mark, I was extremely regretting that choice, but it just, I felt like I could just take all that tape off and I just kept going. <laughs> well, somebody told me decades ago, I was in retail when I was in college down in Florida and my boss said, you know, there are the trend setting states. Okay, what are those? They go, well, California, Texas, Florida. So, you know, if there's a Chick-fil-A in California or Texas, we're going to see one in New Hampshire 70 years later. But so when you yeah. say Ceruz, now, hand scraping floors and some of these other elements of design for those that don't know what a, a ceruse look is in new england we used to say pickling and it was you could use gasoline naphtha you know alcohol anything bleach um whatever it took to kind of whiten and, and a floor but when you ceruse a floor typically that would be a lime wash right over the grain so that when you're done and you cut it back it leaves the pores of the wood with that like a white you know, element, right? Then you do your work. Is that where the ceruse portion comes from? Yeah, I didn't really do a heavy ceruse. Okay. And so, yeah, what it, what it essentially did was it, there was enough white pigment in, um, in the, the oil that I had used to whiten the grain. Right. So it, yeah. So it, it, uh, cause I needed something that I could get look on the white Oak, um, and, and actually what I did is, is I ran everything over the walnut and the white oak in one shot. Right. And then I taped off all the white oak. And then, because, you know, you can layer colors with, with the oils. And so um, I let that cure the first coat. And then I taped off all the white oak. And, and basically I, I just, I stained the walnut like a charcoal color. Mm -hmm. And it canceled out the milky effect of the first coat of the oil. And so, and in your installation portion of it, if if and by the way, for anybody listening, these these photos are at Woodford uh, Woodford Business Magazine, and Matt's got an article coming up soon. You'll see a lot of that. And and you know, it's I call you Mister Router because I, you do a lot of pin routing and things. I think when I ask people, "What's your favorite floor tool?" You're the only guy that would probably say router. I got my router. In some of those photos. You were doing some kind of intricate work. Were you were you doing the ribboning on the outside of those borders um, with a template 
How are you doing that that design work? And and also, how did you fill those? Yeah, so um, part of that story is, you know, when we were down, had the downtime with the pandemic, there wasn't any training happening. So I really, I really wanted to go all in on the custom work. It's a passion of mine. And I'm just thinking, wow, if I can do my passion as my nine to five, you know, how you're living the dream basically. Right. So, um, I was bummed that there's no training going on. So I'm, I'm just going, Hey, I'll just, I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to, I'm going to do a lot of these things. I want to learn at some trainings. And uh, I threw up some drawings on some social media sites and, uh, Lenny Hall contacted me and he goes, Hey, I can show you exactly how to make that. And I already had an idea in my head, but obviously he, he was sending me pictures of jigs and, and what we ended up doing for that. He walked me right through the whole process is, uh, and it was brilliant. I basically, you know, if you look the, the border is set at a diagonal, it's the white oak set at a diagonal. Okay. And um, what I did is I built a cradle uh, for that diagonal. It's, you know, it's probably about a five inch wide border. And I, uh, I set, I, I made a cradle for that diagonal border strip, right? And there's a swing arm that pivots. And what it is, is, you know, it almost, I kind of, the inspiration between, behind that border was almost like a DNA code where it's got the double like a helix. helix. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's like a he, double helix type, uh, uh, pattern. Right. And I was thinking, gosh, I just, I don't know that I've seen that in a wood, in a wood floor. And so obviously if I've never seen it before, I'm, I'm excited now because I'm going, hey, I want to get something that like is not your typical. I've seen other type of curve patterns, but not quite like the way that I did it, right? And so, um, yeah, he, he showed me how to build a swing arm, Jim. It's jig that's, uh, uh, it has to be adjustable. You have to be able to adjust the pivot point and the length of the arm. Okay. Because, you know, you I had an increment and, and it's all balanced. The the border lands into the corners of the, in the same, they're symmetrical all the way around. So I was able to, you know, from each, um, each, uh, length, I actually either made it a little, the pattern a little wider or shorter so that it's all symmetrical all the way around. So he, he, he walked me through all that. It was just such a blast. Cause you know, he loves to train, right? And shout out to Lenny, right? <laughs> COVID didn't stop him from training, right? I mean, he's on the phone sending me pictures. Oh, Lenny, Hall, he, Lenny Hall's from so Endurance, right? Endurance floors? Endurance flooring, yep. You guys did all that virtually, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All, all I, virtually, hey, that's yeah. a good thing that came out of COVID. I did a lot of floor inspections, helped a lot of people virtual. And boy, if they've got a tape measure on the other end and I can just get a little video shot, there's, there was a lot that you can accomplish. I, I looked at some of that that you're working on. Again, what I liked is everybody that opens a showroom will make 30, 40, 50 panels, samples, do things in the floor. And that that's interesting. I like that you just did the one intricate, open thing so it's not too busy it, it it's not all consuming i think that um i find we talked about this on the podcast several times in the industry Th there's this artistry relationship where you can take something to a certain level and it, it you take your craftsmanship and all your technical knowledge but then the artistic part of you is what separates everybody you bring it out and that's kind of what i think that you were doing let's not make this complicated let's like make it look timeless when you look at the people that have won multiple floor of the year etc you don't look at that and go yeah i think i'd be bored with that after about a year and i'd want to rip it out no it 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 looks time like like a really good song it stands the test of time the pattern on that was uh absolutely beautiful what did you wind up doing for finishing was that a, like a rubbed finish or did you 
you know, poly that, what would you do there? Yeah, we did, um, we did two coats of, uh, bona craft oil on it. Um, like I said, the first was a, a white pigmented that give it a little bit of the ceruse look. And, um, I actually, that was the first time I really ever messed with oils too much. And, um, the, uh, the reason I use that product is because I knew it could be overcoated with poly and, and it was kind of a test. So what I did is I, um, and, and I like the versatility of being able to layer colors. And that was kind of my first, you know, real taste of that. I'm just going, Hey, th- a lot of this is a big experiment. I'm testing the, my skills. I want to test products that I've never used before. I want to layer colors and all that kind of stuff. So that's where the opportunity was great was just, Hey, let's put it in our showroom and tell people, Hey, this is, you know, this is our work. You know, this is, uh, you know, complicated, high level, you know, you can't just slap this stuff down. Right. So when, especially when you're laying cut, layering colors, it's cure times and a lot that you have to consider. Right. So, um, I did that so that, um, I actually left my office with the oil and we ended up, uh, uh, top coating with poly, um, the, uh, water-based poly, the whole, um, the whole showroom and, and everything, but it, it was really neat to see. I mean, the compatibility of products is incredible now. I mean, who, who you know, the idea that you could top coat two layers of a penetrating type oil with Paul. I mean, it's, it's really unbelievable that you could do that. And part of me was going, I want to, I want to test this theory. Some you can, some showroom. you cannot. And some you have to use a bonding agent. Yeah, some but, of them you can't. Yeah, right. exactly. You know, but if you really know your products, you can see the versatility of it. So if you want to layer colors and be able to, to, to top coat it with the 2K water-based poly, Yep. There's products available for that. I mean, it's, I mean, it's just incredible that you can do that. And, you, and yeah, I mean, you've got to definitely, I'm not suggesting you just do that. But, you know, a lot of these companies have options for that kind of stuff. You know, some of them, you, there's benefits both to both ways of being able to uh, to code it and not code it, right? So um, definitely would suggest, you know, maybe talking to your rep and, and understand what you're doing. But you know what? It worked out fine. I mean, it was flawless. I have nowhere issues, no peeling issues. I mean, it worked exactly how it's supposed to. And I know that, uh, you know, whether you'll admit it or not, I think people need to know that you brought rugs into the place. Just for the record. Yeah. Area rugs. What the hell are you thinking but- dragging rugs into this place? You got that beautiful yeah. hardwood floor. You're putting your samples up, and you, I will say this: I'm impressed because a lot of what's in the market today is is the mixed media, and people don't realize. As you know, they look at a hardwood floor and they say, "Oh, I like this color," and, you, and then you shock them and you go, "Well, let's say it's gone stuck. It looks great now in my showroom at noon. What's it going to look like when the sun goes down? A big brown floor." So if you're doing yeah. intricate work like this, and you you are selling in your showroom your rugs or let's say tile, et cetera, people don't have to drag in their countertops that they can or pieces in that. People don't realize the colors that pull out of those things. I had somebody come in the other day, they brought a ceramic tile and I was glad that the woman did because she looked at the floor and said, it's never gonna work. You're just gonna see pink and it ripped the pink right out of that marble and also greens because it was a white oak. We moved her into a hickory with a little bit of like an apple cider color Boom, pulled all the covers, it colors, it matched everything evenly. And that's an opportunity in your store to look at rugs, which they'll probably have, furnishings, tile, vinyl. Do your customers bring in all sorts of crazy samples to match up with your hardwood flooring? Oh, yeah. I mean, they bring kitchen cabinet doors and, yep. <laughs> you know, all that. Refrigerators. Kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's my stainless steel look against your floor now? <laughs> um, yeah, you know, so... so 
I've had, I think us in the industry stereotypically probably get too technical at times, I think with things. Um, not that it's a bad thing, but when you're, when you're selling a project with a client, right? A lot of times they're going to get excited about decorating. And so I was against the tile at first and my mom, she's my sales manager and it's just been awesome because she fits the demographic of, of our client. Right. And so we went to, um, you know, a convention and she found these beautiful high end tiles. I mean, honestly, I mean, I'm, I'm the wood snob, but these tiles are beautiful. Right. And she goes, look, it's going to be like jewelry for the showroom. And she, you know, she's trying to sell me on this and you know, the, the, the tile distribution, they want to get in our area. You know what I mean? So yep. they're like, I'll oh, just, we're going to send you, you just pay the shipping and we'll send all this stuff to you. And, and they really did. They, they, they gave us a pretty <laughs> good deal there. Right. But the, the client being able to decorate and take the tiles and mash them up against there. We just had a lady that is extremely picky and she just, she loves us because um, you know, we'll, well, it's really more so my mom will spend the time with her and get excited about bringing all the elements, you know, the color pop that it brings, you know, the rugs, you, you don't realize it, but wood is some at a point in your showroom. It's so much of the wood is neutral, right? You don't have that pop. There's no right? life to it, right? It doesn't pop. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, putting the rugs and putting these beautiful tiles and things in the showroom, it it blew my mind because people get so much more excited about the process, right? And if they're in a good mood, right? I mean, if we're in a good mood, we're going to spend some money. We're going to be happy. We're going to be confident in the process. So, uh, I mean, it, it really humbled me in my vision for the company being a technical wood floor nerd, right? Just going, wow, I really got to open my eyes to the opportunities that are right in front of us. Well, those design elements are, like you say, what pops. Things can pop badly, you know. I, I have a neighbor who has a beautiful yeah. home, and um, they painted it just white. It's a, like a linen white, whatever. Yeah, it was white until it snowed. We got like three feet of snow. The house was lavender. Once the actual <laughs> snow, you're, they're like, I go, what section did you pick your white paint from? This has got lavender. <laughs> house looks purple in the winter. Uh so when you're talking about that, one of our biggest culprits is people buy a house and they go, I want to get all the red out of this floor. And they have you know, 3,000 feet of red oak flooring. And, yeah. uh, you know, I guess there's some new products that might help with that. But in the old days, like, I think you're going to have a lot of problem hiding that red. When people come into your showroom, are they scheduling to meet you there? Or do they work with your mom or a design person? They bring their own design person. How do they start it all off? Really? Um all the above in a way um, we're open 10 to five Monday through Friday. And so, um, you know, we do appointments to do. Um, I have found that people just, they're not big on appointments. That's one of the reasons why we went full retail. And I don't know if it's just the area, but just the shop at home, make appointment type business model. It just, people just, they feel like they're intruding on you. I have found. And so, um, you know, even though we're not open on weekends or evenings, it's like people, if they see, you know, you're open from this time to this time, then you're good. And then with the, I love working with designers. Um, They make it, they're going to bring you the fun projects. Right. And if you really show them the value, they will sell you. I mean, you're basically, you're an asset to them at that point. Um, If you have patience with them, you learn how they click and you throw out, Hey, 
this is going to be neat for you. Maybe I hand cut a pattern for an entryway. And like I said, we named the stain after your company already. Now we're going to stain, you know, we're going to make a custom pattern for you, right? Like sure. this is going to be your signature. And they just, they eat it up and it makes it fun. Like, you know, we don't, um, we don't need to, you know, always make things, you know, generic, you know what I mean? It, it, it doesn't have to be big and extravagant for the year. You know, I, I love just doing just, you know, a, a simple border or something in the right spot. You know what I mean? And it, bam, like now, now your floor is different than everybody else's floor around you. And, and it, it, for the employees, it gives them something different. You know, we could sell that value for, for higher margins than you can sh standard. So, I mean, really, you know, if you just kind of add that to your portfolio and start off small, I mean, it's, I wouldn't change it any other way. Or I would just get bored. I've been in this industry for, you know, like since I was a baby, basically. Right, and it's right. like, I want to have fun now, you know? You know when designers really appreciate you when you, you get that working relationship? When you learn to tell them no... And they, they appreciate yeah. it because they want mm -hmm. typically designers or they come out of school, they're design engineers want to promise their customers and they're usually very wealthy. They can have whatever they want and they never look at the other parts of the, uh, you know, the technical aspects of the flooring. Then they get somebody like you that will put up that wall and say, well, listen, before you put five inch maple over radiant heat and try to bleach it, we need to talk about where we're going because I know your customer has more money than God and they're going to do all these things, but we need to go there. I, I was training some guys this week and I said, we got to come up with something for you newer people to understand. And I call it the wish list. W-I-S-H. This is what we mentally go through. I'll first ask, what are you looking for? What's your aesthetic? And it's very simple when you have a thousand floors. You like grain, you don't like grain. Color, no color. Stain, no stain. Let's get the aesthetic down. Then we get right into our installation Who's putting this in? So I know the level of expertise. Is it a glue down? Is it a nail down? Then um, what's the subfloor? Then I'll go, okay, I understand. Let's talk about species because you like hickory and you have a, a wood stove. It's going to crack. Or you might like red oak graining, but, but you don't want the red to pull out of it. And then we get into, all right, and what is your heat system? Because I need to know, is it radiant heat? Is it, is it hydronic radiant heat? Once I have those components, like you said, don't, they don't need to see the entire showroom. I've got it down now. Let's start pulling samples and working something like this. That's where, like you're saying, you get to work with a design engineer, a design person, and now your colleagues. Now you're working together to meet their aesthetic with what functionally works for what you're doing. And it, your mom does this stuff? She does all this? Because I'd like to see this. Yeah. That's yeah, awesome. She, uh, yeah, yeah. She, we, we work really good together. And, I mean, it's, you know, it's it, having a family business, you know, especially the son being the owner of the company, you know, we definitely had to set boundaries and expectations um, right up front with that and everything. But, I mean, it's been a, it's been a blessing for her. It's been a blessing for me. So, um, honest, I wouldn't have, you know, even, even through the, the hard times, you know, there's been times where I, I had to treat her like I told her from the beginning, I, I got to treat you like any other employee in this company or else they will not respect you. And, and, I, and I know I had gotten advice from mentors telling me this. You have to set that, you know, expectation. Hey, you know, I'm a son, but I'm also the owner of the company. And, um, you know, and it's like now it's like we're just we're working like such a well-oiled machine right now. Not, not that everything's perfect and every day's roses, but um 
I'm excited about where we're taking things and seeing my mom grow and thrive in the company and really just like setting the culture. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's really amazing to see all that, especially when we put so much sweat equity into this business to see the reward of that is, is, it's incredibly, um, you know, rewarding to, to have all that come together like that. That'll bust you. Hey, the lady in the office cut the crust off your PB and J, Matt. Does this happen every day? <laughs> <They don't... laughs> no. You know what's funny is uh, my wife uh, on Monday, uh, the kids were off uh, on Monday, and uh, like her parents were out of town. The sitter was unavailable, and she we have I have four kids, and she had the doctor's appointment for one. Obviously, she does not want to bring all the kids into the mm-hmm. into the doctor's appointment, right? And so. I go, uh, let me talk to my mom. So guess what? The kids, you know, were in the office and, you know, my mom couldn't get much done, but right. <laughs> hey, the kids are there and she kept them for about an hour and a half while we did that. So it's, you know, it is, it is an interesting dynamic sometimes because it's like, well, hey, you know, we're kind of out of options here. Of course, my mom was like, oh, give me those grandbabies. I'll, I'll yeah. take care of it. So. Hey, at the end of my retail career, I, in, we had a gift shop in a barn, and my mother-in-law helped me, my father, grandfather, and we were all in the same place because back then, if you had an answering machine, you might get work, but she would run all the calls through the gift shop because it was a slow day, and people would hire me just because a human being answered, the, and they loved my mother-in-law. So they would give us the job right off the bat, and we'd be booked up like crazy. And then later, you would, had a chance to put a phone on your hip or bring in a, a cell phone or, or whatever. So you bring in anybody to that business that can possibly keep it rolling, and I'm sure they love the fact that your mom is literally part of the family. Yeah, people really get... Okay, so so this is actually a really, really neat thing. So and I never planned any of this, but it worked out perfectly. <laughs> um, when we, you know, we did all that, all that, that intricate work in, in our showroom, right? So basically when people come into the showroom, she is just bragging on her son. Look at what, my, I mean, you would look at what my son can do. I mean, he, I'm so proud of him. He just, I mean, we, you know, he's won these awards and it's just like, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah how do you outsell that? You know, it, it's just, it's so natural. I'm just going, I could, I couldn't have marketed that any better. See that she loves you. I, we had an old farmhouse. I had just started for a floor company. I wanted to do my living room. I took a, a portable clapboard sander. You get paint off a house and I ground down my entire dining room only to find out as I got better at flooring that that was, the, that was a terrible thing. And she's still bringing people in the house when I'm not home going, look at his work, isn't it beautiful? I'm like, don't show him that. I do that, they'll fire me. It took a long time to learn how to run an edger and do those things. <laughs> That's hilarious. So what does, so what, um, what does the business look? So you started out with the install, the sanding, finishing, and centering. W- what point did you say, you know what, we need a showroom for this? What dragged you into that part of it? You know, I was running samples all over town, trying to keep my install crews going and everything. And it just, um, part of it, I needed office help. I needed customer service help. I just, it it would, I think at my lowest point, I realized I have way too many voicemails. I have way too many messages. I'm not completing projects on time. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. I and I'm just going, you know, but I don't want to take all the opportunity of the business that we're going in, that we're getting and squandering. It's good business. And so um that's 
that's, you know, kind of a little bit by necessity. I, I grew a little bit quicker than I wanted, uh, but I'm more of a slow growth, you know, firm foundation type of person. Yep. And so that was fine with me. But um, um, yeah, I mean, most of it was out of necessity, um, you know, just needing needing help and um, having the showroom is it's a huge asset. I mean, it's, you know, um, it's tough. I mean, you, you know, one of the things I appreciate about what you bring to the table um, in your podcast is you've had some guests on that were talking about the struggles of retail and expansion and, you know, running more crews. You know, you think, oh, if I just add this many crews, I'm going to get this much profit. And there's, there's diminishing returns there. And, you know, you really, you really get at hitting those pain points, you know, bringing it out of those guests because, you know, a couple of times during your podcast, I'm just thinking this guy is reading my mail. I mean, it's it's like, as if, you know, like I I got this and that going that I'm working through building my business, you know, because I mean, you know, you started the podcast around the time that I'm trying to build this up. And you're talking about those things that people don't talk about, right? There's the awesome glory part of having, you know, this award-winning floor and the showroom and all of these other things. But, you know, cash flow, I mean, you could be amazing at your craft and and, 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 and not understand cash flow, you know, and that can sink your sure. business right there. And, and it's, it's not something that's easy to understand. Uh, um, you know, the basics are, but really – when it comes down to it, what's your accounts receivable, right? And what are your bills? Okay. There's no business book in the world that's going to tell you how to fix every specific situation, right? Like you can get systems and processes, but you know, uh, honestly, you know, having the asset of here being a fly on the wall and hearing those conversations, I mean, you're doing a huge service to the industry. I know, um, um, if it's helped me the way that it has pushed through those pain points, uh, that that's huge. I mean, that's honestly, there's, there's a couple times where I brought the podcast to my wife and played excerpts. And I said, listen to this. Can you believe how spot on this is to what we're going through? And these, they're having a conversation about how to push through it. Oh and yeah. It gave us the motivation. Yeah, keep it. talking about me. I like this. This is good. This is <laughs> we, we almost lost this the last time. You know, uh, you, know. you said that uh, uh, pain point, uh, which there's two things. One, I think I learned a long time ago um, that, you know, I, I I wanted to be, a, I think, a lawyer in college, and I looked it up in the phone book, and like a quarter inch of that phone book was nothing but attorneys, and I, went, I don't want it. Uh, that's too competitive to me. I once got off the boat in San Francisco, and I looked at the population, and I said, I don't want to be here. It just seemed, this is so overwhelming, how many people and what they do. But it never really occurred to me in, in like, in hardwood flooring, I wanted to be that guy that designed the floor of the year, win the floor of the year. I did not turn out to be that floor guy. I was just an average floor guy, but I studied it and studied it and studied it, and I love it, and I like the technical, and I found out, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a whole other part of hardwood flooring, and today it's making friends with colleagues and consulting. What I found out is what you're pointing at is the people that make it in this industry and do good things, we are colleagues, we're not coworkers, and it's a fellowship. Men women of every type and we've talked about it it might be 99 percent of my customers might be guys 100 percent of their customers are women there it's not that there aren't women in the industry it's where are they they're on the design element end of it owning showrooms owning businesses doing design work there are some in the field physically doing the work there's less men doing the designing the showroom 
um, the, the tile work, the vinyl, the rugs, etc. And what I found with the podcast, it's that is that we bring in the best of the best of the best to talk about exactly what is it that you do that we all can kind of commiserate and share about, but that lends us into this part of the industry where we can maybe look at our pluses, our minuses like you just alluded to you're the greatest floor guy in the world you go home and you go i haven't paid a bill in a month like that's not your gig maybe you need to find the person to do that i think watching what you did learning from your install your sand and finish and knowing and speaking with you you're always looking for answers as to how do i do my craft but keep my business running so it'll support that craft i think man i, I give you kudos for that yeah um Running a having a good business culture is it is huge for me. I want everybody to be successful that is in the company, and and you know it just to me, uh, what we do is so much bigger than what we produce, right? You know, you uh, the people that work for me have families, right? They have dreams, they have hopes, they have ambitions, they may have struggles, right? You know, um, um, and to me, if we can provide. A, a culture that facilitates them to succeed in their life, the business is going to benefit from that hugely. I mean, you can't, you can't make that kind of stuff up. And when people see the people thriving in your business, it's going to attract them to you. It's just, you know, you hear a lot about, you know, I can't find good help. Right. And, and what I have found is the help needs to come to you. You, if you create the culture and, you know, this is something that you can't produce overnight, but if, if you produce a culture where people feel like they're taken care of and it's a great place to work, that the word is going to get out, you know, and, 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 and then those people are going to then come to you. And, and we're still working a lot of that out. You know, I created a bonus structure that rewards, you know, people that are rock stars in our business cool. and, and gives other people a path forward, you know, so they can really see here is a training path and a career path that coincide together. Right. And I can see how I can progress through this industry. And not only that, but like what you said, if one of my guys gets hurt and they can't actually do installs for some reason, I want them to be able to get onto the, maybe a technical side or, or, you know, maybe, maybe they can uh, still travel or something and they could be a rep. Or, or work for a distributor. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there. And and for me, I feel like I have an obligation to get myself out in the industry, right? And build those connections because everybody's going to benefit from that, you know? And, and, and I can retain the people that I train, right? Because they say, hey, this guy takes care of me. He gives, he gives me the upside as if I was running my own company. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like I have ownership in this thing. And I think that's a real big thing that some other trades have done a little bit better for, you know, creating that opportunity and that career path and earning potential. And I, I see a lot of elements coming together in the wood flooring trade. I, I think we'll get there. But I feel like we are a little bit behind on that business side, we've gotten really good about sharing information on techniques and all that kind of stuff. And I think that that's going to spill over into the business side where you're going to see people rising up and sharing business models and, you know, having opportunities to hands on and learn. And I, I've, I've been experiencing that firsthand. I've had people reaching out to me and I'm going, Hey, I want to be a part of that. Right. Like I want to, you know, 
bring a lot of those elements in that I'm seeing, you know, other, I'm in some masterminds basically sure. and seeing how, you know, maybe tiles doing it a little bit differently. And, and I have a, a friend that's a plumber. I see how they do it. I'm like going, man, if we could bring this together, I mean, it could be, it could be revolutionary for our trade. It's like a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. You have that philosophy. If we, if we share everything and elevate everything, then we, we could all do very well from this. You know, it's, I think what you're sharing with your people and you're learning and, and don't you find, I, I even, I spoke with you a short while ago and I went back and I was taking notes like, wow, I just learned a bunch of stuff. And there was something I ran in today and I'm like, I'm still learning, man. I can't believe that I still ran into something in flooring that I just learned today. Throw it in my portfolio and I can't wait to share it with other people. Um, and you get to meet great people around the industry that, that do amazing things. I think what what you're bringing to the table you got the right idea man it's it, it, the one thing you can trust is that change is never ending and improvement should be constant and never ending when you're sharing this with your people and you're seeing that en enthusiasm um how does the day work for you like how much time can you actually get to your showroom as opposed to being out in the field or do you have people that run crews for you like what's the day look like yeah so um I do have to strategize right now because I am toggling between being in the field and being in the office. Um, we're pretty close to being to the point where the office can run substantially on its own and the field can. So I have a, I have a couple of crews that, um, that I run. Um, and so I try to more so be involved when it's more custom work because that's kind of the area that, um, I thrive in and prefer to be in. And so um, I, I'm not an office person. So right. it, it's kind of funny because, you know, you can, if you actually hire out your office and they kill it, right, you could be in the field if you wanted to all the time, right? Um, you know, as an owner, there's always going to be that element of ownership. But I, I would really prefer to have a balance where um, I do what I love in the office side, sales side. Really what I'd love to do is just do estimates and um, be with the clients and um, um, be a little bit of a part of the design process and then, you know, go hang out with the guys and <laughs> in the field and, and work with my hands. And so I'm really, what I would, what my goal is really that the business runs entirely on its own and we're almost to the point where when I walk in, they go, hey, you're messing things up, like, you know, let me, let us do it. You know what I mean? Sure. Like that's the dream, right? Right. That would do <laughs> and so, it. Yeah. That way I could, I really can choose uh, what I want to do and where I want to be and, and have that freedom that the business and, and really ultimately everybody's better off if, because if everybody's reaching their potential, right? If they don't need handholding necessarily to where maybe they just bring, Hey, this could really affect the company. I think you should be a part of this decision. Like, you know what I mean? Be a part of those conversations, not, you know, how do I do X, Y, and Z? And part of that too is I'm, I'm still working up a training uh, regimen for the field. Um, we, we do need to hire um, more installers um, and, and sand finishers. And so um, um, I really love, I've, I basically, I've trained every single person on our team and now my my task is to teach them how to train and duplicate. Sure. And part of that, they they need they need uh, the tools um, at their disposal to do that. One thing I realize is the way I was trained is not ideal. Right. You, you don't want to have to find the diamond then in the rough 
to create a good technician, right? You want to be able to take somebody that's got the right attitude and is responsible, has integrity, and you want any anybody that has those elements to be able to succeed. I mean, obviously, you do need some mechanics, uh, you know, hand skills, but, you know, you shouldn't have to be like, you know, the half of a percent of the population that could do it, I think, if you have the proper training. So that's what I'm working. I mean, the technology is exploded uh, sure. to make things. I mean, you can produce a, a, an amazing quality floor with less skill nowadays than you ever could. Um, not to diminish any other types of, you know, um, techniques or, or style. I mean, you know, you could have the, the basic sanding tools and cre create amazing quality, but how quickly you can train somebody now using some of the equipment that they have with planetary sanders and, 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 and other types of, of techniques. I mean, it, it, it pretty, it is pretty amazing. The quality that you can prove. We had to do that because I learned mid career how to do sand and finish. Right. Sure. I was forced to adopt technology and produce it because that's when I came into the industry. Right. So I feel like I actually have a, a little bit of an advantage in that way because I had to figure out a way that was duplicatable right off the bat. This podcast is brought to you by horizon forest products. With over 75 years of industry experience and one of the most comprehensive inventories of pre-finish and unfinished hardwood flooring, floor equipment, abrasives, finishes, fasteners, and accessories, Horizon Forest Products is now proud to span the entire East Coast and Texas. The company's large footprint allows them to serve customers from Maine to Florida and Texas with the same high-quality products and exceptional customer service that has made them one of the fastest-growing hardwood distributors in the U.S., Horizon Forest Products loves its customers, and it shows. Visit their website at horizonforest.com to learn more. Sometimes I see what separates the best of the best isn't, isn't always, like you said, the technology. They can use it or they can make it happen. But sometimes when that, that technology becomes easier, makes the job easier, things can go wrong easier. It's the best of the best are the ones when there is adversity, they turn it around. It, they don't run from yeah. it. You keep the money. I'm going to disconnect my phone. I'm going to go hide. They find a way to get right back in, make it right. Or what you and a lot of people do, they go seek counsel. I go, I talk to people all the time. If I have to get a hold of the experts, expert, expert, I'll get a hold of them and say, listen, I'm not confident with what I'm doing or the what I'm working on. You you kind of bring them in. You work that out. And and you mentioned, explain this for me, um, pain points. You mentioned that. Uh, we've talked about it before. There are pain points in, in your career, in your job, in, in your decision-making. Give me a little scoop what you're talking about when you, when you talk about pain points. Yeah, I think the best way I can describe it is um, I formed some relationships with, with uh, you know, other colleagues and peers in the, re in the flooring industry. And I've had some of them calling me just stressed. I mean, just stressed, right? And they're just going, and I mean, they're producing incredible work, you know? And it, you're having this conversation going, wow, like, I, you know, I'm either there right now or I just got through that, you know, that issue and or this or that thing. And it's like, it, it just hearing and, and, and reaching out, it, it's pretty amazing the difference when you don't feel like you're alone um, in it. Um, you know, just because it's like, wow, you know, the, these are people that I respect and we're, have, we're having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation right now. 
And, you know, if I had never gotten myself out there, never gotten mentors and, and had peers that I could reach out to and talk to, I mean, you know, we, there's the, I, I believe that, Hey, you know, sometimes you need to, uh, you know, pull up the britches and, and get through it. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm not a softy in that sense, but there is a huge value in connection, right. And reaching out. And, uh, I would, I would highly encourage people to do that. You know, people reach out to me. I've reached out to other people. You know what I mean? It's a symbiotic relationship. And, uh, um, you know, what's happening on the outside that you see maybe on, in pictures or magazines or social media, there's a, there's a backstory. I mean, there's been some, you know, four of the year awards and, and you get to chatting with some of these people and they're telling you, oh my gosh, it was a near disaster. Right. You know what I mean? Like we didn't think it's going to turn out. I, I nearly, you know, kicked the, you know, just to, you walked out on the project and it's like, oh man, like this is real. This is where, this is where, where, you know, this is reality right here. I told you I want to do a deadliest catch uh, after the catch podcast with, with floor people because We'll talk like you and I are like you're talking about some of the greatest people in the world. And when when the mics are off, then they'll go, let me tell you about that. It didn't pay me. And I had my floor of the year, blah, blah, blah. And they got stories. And you're like, you got to be kidding me. It's no different than any other trade, any other career, any other anything. But when you mentor with people, when you start out, you feel like I'm a, I'm a floor person. I got a lot to learn. And these people are my competition. You get to meet these people. Like I'd get on a big project and say, I don't want to lose this. I'm too small. I'd call eight other flooring companies, and they'd be very standoffish. And you know what happened over the years? We'd get together all the time on these things. Rather than have some stray company come in and do 100,000 feet, we had eight or nine crews, get them all together, and we wound up being very good colleagues. There's plenty enough work for anybody. I think it would be like any anything like a master painter. I mean, if I, I like impressionistic painting, so... Manet's not Monet's not Gauguin's not who Renoir. There's room for everybody. You can see the element and the design and their signature on things. There's room for all of that. You know, if you look at a, an Eddie Van Halen guitar solo, you know it's Eddie. Now, how much how much can that possibly? How much more can they possibly do? We don't need one flooring person. We don't need one installer. You need a lot of them. And working together, you find as a craftsman, you do add some things to your portfolio. Like you said, pin routing and design and hand scraping. And you meet somebody like, um, you know, Michael Purser, who's doing uh, not even using equipment and machinery. He's using chemistry or some of these people. And you go, well, I'd really like to hear a little bit about that. I think that that's very fascinating What that you go out and and I hear this in seminars, even bonus seminars, they say, are you an expert 20 years and you woke up and did the same thing every day for 20 years or did you learn something? And I know that you make it a note to pick up material everywhere you possibly can. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, it's every opportunity to learn is just, I mean, it's another tool in your tool belt and really you want as many of those tools as you can. I mean, it's a, it's an asset at that point, you know? So it's just one of the biggest revelations that I've had, you know, expanding the business is how valuable teams and networks are. Right. So I'm building my team within my business and, uh, you know, investing and pouring into them. Right. And not only that, but, you know, now we're venturing into tile. Right. And so I, I found out that one of the, 
and TCA trainers uh, for Tile is in our town. He just became a, and I had no idea he was here. Wow. And so we're reaching out, nerding out about the certifications we have and how this town needs, you know, like the standards raised. It's a little behind the times, you know, as far as that goes. I mean, some of the products that have been around for a while are just hitting this area and he's bringing them in through distribution. You know, we don't really have distribution. That's part of the reason. But, you know, we're reading, we're reaching out to the farm supply place. They're carrying Artex now, you know what I mean, with their full line. And it's like, okay, they got all the shower systems for full waterproofing and all the drain systems that tie into it. People were just Frankensteining systems together from Lowe's and Home Depot at a professional level. And it just, the I guarantee probably 75% of the showers here leak right. and that's just expected. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's just like, wow. But I mean, you just see, you know, so now, now I, I and he's certifying some of the people in town for tile and I'm going to those people and saying, we can sell, guaranteed leak proof warranted shower systems right because i know that you have the training for it right sure. and that's part now that's our network right and i can bring them in and and um it, and it's so much more valuable than um not building those networks because people you know they know and trust us right and we got this beautiful tile line well now they say hey i want you to do more for us i want you to do this and it's like i don't feel comfortable going into a segment unless I feel confident that we can produce the quality, but it's, Hey, I got certified people and a trainer in my town. I could just call them up because I made the investment in the relationship. Right. Right. And, and we can create amazing tile showers now. Right. Um, and we got the products to do it. And so I'm just going, you know, that's, you know, getting the product and the, the, um, the certified installers like all coming in at the same time, we're way ahead of the curve now. I mean, we don't even have a reputation as a tile company and we're already like starting up here at the top. Right. You have all that confidence. There's nothing better than having expertise and, and the training and the confidence when you're going into any situation. I said, go do a floor inspection and, and be in the driveway shaking in my boots. I didn't even want to go in. And then I learned a long time ago, very simply, and I say it to everybody, the floor tells the story. I don't, I'm not a witness. I'm not a lawyer. I didn't work this job. Let me go in. The floor will tell me the story. I'll go back. I'll write this all up and we'll talk about, you can point fingers and decide if there's somebody at fault here. My job isn't that. My job is to go in, inspect, find out what needs to be done to correct this, give you one or two, three, four, five recipes, let you decide what's fair and work it out. And then I can tell you exactly how to perform those procedures. And that comes from confidence years of speaking with people much brighter than I am and listening to leaders, not managers that push you around, but do what you do, that you lead people, you teach and you train and you share with them and you're building their portfolio. The idea is for not for you to leave with all the marbles is to say that you imparted this upon others that appreciate it. And, you know, Hey, if they give you a thank you down the road and they say, thanks for all I've learned from you and everything, that's a heck of a reward. Oh yeah. I mean, really being humble is, is such a huge factor for success. You know, it, it's just, um, I mean, I've had times where it just, I couldn't make someone happy. I either didn't set expectations or I just flat out, you know, uh, you know, I, I had a, an old house that needed a, uh, we raised the floor up to put in uh, some solid wood flooring and, um, it had some foundational issues that we kind of addressed um, kind of when we we're building the floor up. And, but I had to recut the door and put in a new threshold to, to make everything work. And the old threshold was just crud. So I just was like, Oh, there, 
I mean, anything's an upgrade to, to this thing. It was a hundred year old home, you know? And uh, so I put in the new threshold. They hated the threshold, just hated it. And I cut their door to that threshold. And I mean, I'm like the enemy. I'm just going, man, I mean, I've won awards and, and, and done all of these incredible patterns and crafts. And you, and you guys just, the guy literally did not want to even talk to me. He talked to my mom and said, don't have him call me back. And I'm just like, oh my gosh like i did not realize that this is going to spiral out of control right and i just i had to humble myself and go you know what like i'm really not a door guy <laughs> like, right maybe i should have uh you know reached out here and then i wouldn't have to deal with this that's when you go is this guy really making me mad or is my mad because he's right <laughs> that's when it, yeah. that really hurts yeah, I mean, it, it really does. And, you know, when he pointed out what he didn't like, I'm just going, you know, I don't fully agree with you, but you're not wrong. Right. So, yeah. I mean, where, where do we go? You know, I just, I really, I mean, I had to, you know, take it on the chin on that one and, you know, get humble. And, you know, I took a substantial amount off the bit. I mean, I'm like, hey, you know, what do we need to do to make this right? And he told me, and I'm just like, oh, geez, my knees. Like, am I really responsible for your door jam? And, redoing like you know all this you know but it's just you know what hey i mean hopefully you can walk away feel like we we were trying to be you know have integrity you know even though you were unhappy then that, that's the best i'm gonna get sure do you think that um implement from doing all your sanding finishing installation all you've learned in implementing the showroom do you think that um listen i ask this because i do a lot of consulting for people and they'll they're gonna now they've got that level i'm gonna build a showroom i'm gonna do this floors and samples my distributor said they're going to give me a fork all this stuff and then i'll usually tell them yeah here's my advice don't do this unless you really really know what you're doing that is a lot of money and it'll start out five days a week which will become by appointment only which will be saturday only which be like i'm shutting this down we didn't need it but there are the people that do it right do you feel like at this point that showroom is doing what you wanted or is it something different and is it working for you it's a challenge um, building up to this point, but really I feel like we've reached a precipice as far as really being able to look over the horizon now and see the potential. Because the reason I wanted to get into retail is I, I really love selling product. And the thing is with product, you know, one of the things that you had mentioned that on one of your other podcasts that just hit the nail on the head was you you think the building is the expensive part hiring people to be in the building is where it hits the pocketbook, right? Because they have to be paid to produce, but there's a lag. They're not just going to hit the ground running and selling a million dollars a year. Right. You know, but you still have to pay them to get to that point. Right. And so that, I mean, that right there, um, I was just going, Oh my gosh, you know, I had that fallacy in my head that the, the the building, I mean, rent is inexpensive in, in San Angelo, right? It, okay. We're really like hit me with, it's 1% of our revenue. Wow. <laughs> and I just go, what, why was I thinking that was the part that was going to be the, and I want to, you know, we want to buy our own building here pretty soon and expand our showroom. So we really do have the room to, uh, you know, carry all the products that we want to. But, 
yeah, that right there is just the biggest element. Well, you're right. You got to look at there's your ROI, ROA, return on assets, return on investment. And at, at some point, you, you can't really just wing it. There's got to be a point where that you're returning a profit. You know, I, I used to say, you know, people say, well, your prices seem high. I'm like, well, we we have definitely earned a profit. We It's valuable and we've earned it. We're not gouging anybody, but we know what we do. We know what level we work at. And for you to get you know, the most valuable piece of furniture in your home and for you to say, oh, my, I love my floors, which is what we're looking for. Um, we need to, everybody has to work at a certain level. And you said it, not everybody's starting at that level. That's why I always ask people, you know, how long have you been with the company? When did you run the edger? Everybody wants to give the edger to the new guy. It's the worst thing that you can do. We all know that, but nobody really wants is. to run the thing. <laughs> you know it's yeah. going to break your back. So there's a lot of those parts of those skills that have to come into place. Now, with you in particular, um, and I've worked in, oh, my God, multi, multi, multi-million dollar homes and different that, but you've worked for billionaires. What is it like to work for somebody that is a billionaire? Yeah, so the first billionaire project that that we had gotten, um, I actually, <laughs> this is kind of funny. Uh, we had gotten an email because we're what got our foot in the door is that we're we're certified with the NWFA, right? Uh, Sand and finish and install, right? And um, part of what the architect specs um, is that you have to have a certified person to even you know bid the project, sure. right? So we get an email that starts talking, they need, you know, 10,000 square feet of wood floor. And it's just very generic looking. And so my mom says, Hey, what do you want to do with this email? I'm like, you know what? It sounds like those things where there's a developer coming into town and they, you know, uh, they're just trying to price shop to, to try to, to make a bid to get a development or something. You know what I mean? (laughs) And I'm just, I think it's like going to be just this low end, like, price gouge situation right so i tell her you know what just blow them off right right she she basically she kind of like blows them off you know and then they email back and they say no like we really want you to bid on this project like you know um uh, but you got to sign these non-disclosure agreements sure ndas because she actually i told her to blow them off but she kind of was like I'm going to kind of blow them off, but not to what, you know what I mean? Right. She, she kind of had more intuition than I thought, right? Yeah. And so anyway, so, and I'm going, what, non-disclosure? What the heck is going on here? So I'm like, okay, so we signed a non-disclosure and it's a, it's like a 55,000 square foot home. Wow. It's got metal inlay floors. It's got, I mean, the average floors, I mean, north of a hundred dollars a square foot. Right. Um, I mean, just, I mean, like the size of a Walmart, but I mean, you're talking IMAX theater theaters and indoor shooting ranges and like, you know, golf simulators. I mean, anything that spas, salons, I mean, just, I'm like, who, who has a spa and a salon in their house? But, uh, you know, it's just kind of like, wow, you know, that's, uh, that, that is incredible. Yeah. You know, and I would, you wouldn't even know that that was because, you know, I tell people that say, oh, I can't do like custom or high end work in, in my area. And it's like, you know, maybe you don't have the access sure. that other people do in some areas, but I guarantee you there's a lot of people that if custom high end work is on the menu, right, it's thrown out there for, for people to find and you build that reputation there will it will come your way like to some degree yes you know maybe one person does it like they do three projects a year right like you had mentioned uh super high end 
but maybe you do once every two years or, you know what I mean? It's, there's always an opportunity out there for it. Um, you know, if you want to pursue it, but that's what I have found, you know, you really, you got to get your name out there. You know, that, that, that only came because we got certified, right. We wouldn't have been on the menu. Um, um, you know, and, and then we have a website. We just went with for the year. You know what I mean? They, they when they, what people don't realize is when they're when there's people that are looking for that level of work, they hire people to find the people to do it. Right? Sure. If they cannot find you, you're you're, you're not even going to be. If they see your website and there's nothing that they think looks like it stands out, there you're just you're not even going to be allowed to bid. Oh yeah, I've been a member of the NWFA since I think 1987. And um, and I love it. Their their NWFA university is incredible. I remember when we as floor people didn't like something, and we'd write it up and draw it, and we'd fax it. And Bonnie Holmes would copy it if they liked it, and they would just punch it and put it in the next manual. I I have that manual on my desk, and I taught that <laughs> wow. program three years for our wood pro training program. And um, wow. people will say, I was at some place today, and they go. Sorry, you're an NWFA inspector. I go, no. And they go, why not? I go, because the Wright brothers didn't have pilot's licenses. It's <laughs> The truth of the matter is I, I just have never had the time to go and pack up and go out there and take it and be approved for it. It's something I probably will like to do one day, but I study it every single day, work it. And I read I can probably quote that manual cover of the cover of pages, chapters, where wooden water is, where, et cetera. It's extremely useful. People need to follow those guidelines. It is the governing body for what we do. And I'll tell you what happens. I got a call um, this week from a master woodcraftsman that's on television, that's everything. And I'm like, wow, okay, be cool. This guy knows his stuff. Well, we started talking, and guess what? He doesn't know about flooring. And he was at a professional level, not, I'm a master craftsman, I'm on television. No, he knows his wood, his species, he can, anything, he can carve, he can do this. He's doing a floor and he needs my help. And he goes, you're the guy. We talked and he's like, these are what I'm concerned with and I don't do floors. There's a guy that's smart enough to not say, well, I work with wood so I can do anything. We're going to get together and we're going to go into this special NDA project and look at it and work together. And I'm like, I can't get there fast enough. I can't wait to meet this guy and talk wood. My grandfather was a violin maker. There's craftsmen. I used to build furniture. That's how I get into this. Then I made people like you. You are spot on. Network. Go meet the other people that are supposedly the next greatest thing. You learn amazing things from them. Oh, yeah. You know, just the doors that it opens is, is really neat. And, you know, one of the things I want to encourage anybody that um, doesn't feel like they're, you know, in with the industry or, or networking or that kind of thing. Um, the first time I was ever introduced to the industry as bigger than just my local area was uh, I, I realized that it was not long after I had moved to um, Texas and the, the 2019 NWFA convention was in uh, Dallas that year. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I went there, that was, you know, in 2019, uh, in spring. Right. And I did not, I didn't know one person when I went to that convention. Right. So, um, you know, in 2020 is when I worked on my wood floor of the year project. Right. Mm -hmm. And Lenny reached out to me and I started, you know what I mean? He's, I built a relationship with him and then some other people will, we won that year. So, you know, um, 
my, the, you know, the, the next convention that I went to, I'm like one wood floor of the year. And it was incredible because I, I had heard, you know, people kind of say, oh, it's a good old boys club. Or like, if you really, you know what I mean? Like, as if there's like, I guess maybe there could be an element of a click. Oh yeah. But yeah, at certain I, levels, but not in the craftsman. Uh, but, yeah. And, and I, um, I mean, people just, I mean, I felt so supported. I mean, being somebody that, you know, just, you know, so when we had won uh, Wood Floor Business Design Contest, Kim reached out to me and, I mean, she made me feel Kim Walgren, amazing. Yeah. I mean, just like, like she took care of me, you know, and I'm just going, wow, these people are so down to earth and just like really care. And so, you know, I got to know her and then I, you know, I got to know, you know, um, uh, when I had won the award, a bunch of the the manufacturer owners were, you know, big, big manufacturer. They were coming, shaking my hand and congratulating me and just saying how much they appreciate, you know, the the artwork and, and the creativity. And, uh, and I'm going, wow, like this yeah. is not, you know, I, I, I'm really, a, I was, I, nobody knew who I was, right. you know, I mean, there's no reason for me to win the award, you know, and then we, we went on to win um, the um, Wood Floor of the Year as well. And it's like, wow, like you don't have to know somebody to win these contests. Like it really is based on your skill because like there was people that, I mean, people that I knew that I won, like they had submitted their project Sure. and I'm going, these people are connected and I cannot believe that like, because for one, I couldn't distinguish why mine should have won. Sure. Right. Because this other work is amazing. Right. Right. And I'm a nobody. Like how, I mean, that, that just told, that's actually when I went all in on, on trying to give back to the industry because I'm going, wow, these people gave me a chance. You know what I mean? They, they did not judge me based off of who I was, what I looked like. They didn't know who I was. Right. I I mean, to me that, I mean, that, that was profound um, to experience in this industry. You don't impress me about you is if I'm not mistaken, you did a, you got an award for a pre-finished patterned floor or I've seen yeah. you do pre-finished. I've done those. That ain't easy. You know, you, there's no pattern to this stuff unless you buy it that way. <laughs> when you start mixing media and inlaying different other um, pre-finished floors and now you got to make a cut and you lose the bevel and you got to stain it. Now you got, you know, um, let's say a hickory or a maple with a walnut stain and you now custom cut the edge and now it's blonde as can be and you're like well i got to touch that up how did you wind up working with a pre-finished floor in a pattern situation yeah so i've always had a passion for woodworking in general and being that i didn't i didn't start my career sand and finishing i just my dad didn't do it and we didn't have the equipment and so my uncle he'd actually would come do it um for us, but he lived like three hours away. So it was a big deal if he came and I just, I just never really had the opportunity other than spending, you know, a little bit of time when I was a teenager with my grandfather in Colorado doing it. And so, um, but the, I, I didn't let that stop me from doing custom work. I'm just going, Hey, you know what? I know this is going to be more of a challenge. Everything's got to be more precise, right? I got to figure out how to manipulate these factory edges to work. Right. Sure. So if I got a pillowed edge or I got a micro bevel, or, you know, um, or, you know, even I've even worked with super high end Italian, like laser cut pre-finished floors that are like, a, they're, they are basically like a sand finished floor. They're so precision cut. Right. 
And it's like, you know, trying to work with all of those elements to still do the custom work. I mean, I'm just going, hey, I don't sand and finish, but I want to do custom work, right? And out of necessity, you know, it forced me to realize you can get spline for different thicknesses of floor. It's not just, it's a little bit harder to find, but they make it for half inch, five eighths, you know, and three quarter. And they have corresponding router bits for all of those, right? Sure. And it's just, it's just kind of learning how to use the as much of the factory edge as you can. Um, you know, I remember you, you, we were talking about, um, you know, how do you, how do you make a pillowed edge out of a, sure. out of a engineered floor, right? And, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, I've come across and, and seen other colleagues use different techniques for is actually taking um, a metal bar and rolling it over yeah, the it. edge and actually, yeah, cr- you know, crushing the, gr- the the edge of the board. And, and you, if you do it correctly, you, you actually maintain the, the factory finish and the stain color. It's flexible enough to actually fold over. And if you do it correctly, um, I mean, you, you you can get an extremely good factory edge, or not a factory edge, but to mimic the factory You edge. do that in woodworking. Like we have we have customers that are thrilled because we have a square edge pre-finish. And my salesmen are, oh, they're, they're thrilled. I'm like, I've seen a hundred square edge. They usually go off the market because in New England, stuff moves edge gets knocked off no one buys yeah. cabinet cabinetries furniture with a perfectly square edge it would, it would lead to disaster and when i i try to do a little class on different bevels throughout the history that are in flooring we have this thing like you're saying it's called the i call it the canadian pinched edge they were the first mm-hmm. to say well let's not cut that little edge it makes it furred you get the finish in even when it's pre-finished it starts to get rough catches your socks they would crush it and i started in the field like you said if i had something that already had a finish if the finish was durable enough, you could roll it over with, a, like you said, a steel rod or, or a roller or a tile roller. And now you've made a nice, smooth, uncatchable edge. It looks good. The color's perfectly fine. And the finish is still there. So that's just another little technique that uh, you've picked up along the way. Pillowed edge, man. Listen to this, America. We're going to all be talking about the pillowed edge. Uh, you think that... Um, are there any things that you've seen and what you've learned throughout all this time that you see are like common uh, pitfalls for young pros that are trying to kind of do what you're doing or what other people have done um, when you're doing custom work? Are there things they should really be careful of? Yeah. um, Really with custom work, a lot of it has to do with attention to detail and really being observant of what you're doing. So that that's I actually just had a conversation. So our, our youngest recruit, um, I, I got him right out of high school. He volunteered for uh, a project that we we're doing for uh, church. Uh, we we're donating um, some labor for the church, and uh, I spotted him when he was in high school. And I was going, "This kid, he's a little step above everybody else." So he ended up coming to work with us right out of high school, right? And uh, you know, I was just instilling with him, "Hey, you know, he missed a few things on a project," and I'm like, "Hey, you know, I, I mean, I could fix this, but..." You know, I really, it, it's not going to take you any more time to be observant of what's going on, you know, catching these types of things. And that's the, what's one of the biggest things with custom work that I've seen, especially young people tend to underestimate what it takes to do it because, I mean, we're in the YouTube generation, right? And they they are, well, I mean, it's amazing. Some of the, the, the colleagues and friends that I have that are like TikTok sensations and teenagers are watching them trowel uh, oil onto a floor, sure. you know, uh, penetrating hard wax oils, right? And it's like, you know, the, I would see the tendency is to underestimate, you know, what it takes because I've interviewed 
plenty of people and they all think that they're a fast learner, right? Right. And <laughs> you, you know how many people that think that they're a fast learner or pick up on things quick, you know, reality would tell a different story. I think fast was ever good for me. I, we'd, we'd do big, big, big projects. I had gymnasium, maybe rack out, try to be fast. But I think I was the slowest guy. It takes me four hours to set up the line in the house, then get rolling, and I can fly. And then the, the closing out the walls takes me another four hours. But if I'm doing something intricate or I'm staining, I will slow it all down. I just don't think it's worth rushing into just one error. And think about the hard, average hardwood flooring pro. You might be working a 10, 12, 14, 20 hour day, whatever it is, right? Everybody else in any field, they're like, go home now, take a break, except for maybe the doctor and nursing field. What are we doing? We've been there 12, 14 hours. It has got to be stained and sealed or coated now. Or I swear somebody, a cat and dog are going to chase each other across this. Someone's going to come through here with their wet feet coming out of the shower. You're exhausted and you've got to slow it down and be able to do the best possible thing you can do to seal things off or finish them it do you find that when you're in this situation where we're doing this type of work you kind of got to slow things down a bit oh yeah yeah definitely i mean a lot of customer is you don't you underestimate how much time you're going to take to dial everything in okay. uh, just right you know it's it's one of those things you know to to get it close takes you know, X amount of time to get it perfect takes four X amount of time. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, you know, the level of precision that you're going for. And, and, and I'm, I actually, I, I, you know, I kind of want to experiment on, so I've, I've seen some projects where they purposefully were not trying to get it perfect and they're going for the old world look. Like I, I just did a, a project. It was, you know, um, um, the cost, the cost per square foot was incredible, um, for this product, but it was, um, what do they call it? Uh, it's a, uh, irregular thickness floor and it's reclaimed. Okay. So yeah, it's every board is slightly different thickness, right? Yep. And, and it's got, it's, it's patina faced, right? So, you know, I have to figure out how to make this floor not catch splinters, mm -hmm. right? It, it, some of this stuff is nearly petrified wood, right? And um, it's extremely expensive, right? And I have one shot. Like, you know, I cannot duplicate this patina, but the homeowner is also telling me, hey, I don't want to get, I don't want to get splinter. Right. <laughs> right. You know, and it's, uh, but you know, if the whole purpose is that it's not precise, there's gaps, there's, you know, open voids in the, in the wood, you know, sure. um, some of the grain is pulled, you know, I mean, it's, but it's honestly one of the most beautiful floors I've ever done. Well, yeah. Sometimes you go in a, you know, 150, 200 year old building and nothing's been done to the floors ever. And they look outstanding. Like what a cool looking, you know, floor. They're, they're worn by foot traffic and human hands so much that it, in an, an eighth to an inch of wood is missing, but the knots are still hanging tight and everything's smooth. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't sand this flat if you begged me to sand this flat. It's just so much character. Oh, I know. And so I, I actually want to experiment um, with producing, new, you know, new stuff that it, it looks old world. I mean, it looks like it's been sitting there forever and the foundation shifted and, you know, uh, produce more. Because honestly, 
you can install it a lot faster when you don't need to be precise. Right. And the whole point is that it, it, it's got character, right? It's, it's not, it doesn't look like it's been made. And cause that's the thing. I mean, you can do hand cut floors and make it look like it was nearly CNC produced. And it's like, you know what? Like I love CNC produced floors. I mean, I mean, they're incredible. I mean, I'm, I'm not, you get some people like, oh, hand cut. That's all I'm about. Hand. I'm kind of like, man, bring it on. Like, I want to do a CNC floor. Right. I want to do a hand cut floor. I want to do a hand cut floor that is not precision, but it's perfect for what I'm going for. I mean, you know, it's like, uh, you know, I really, you know, I really want to, I, I have a value for all of those different styles because if they're each one of those styles, if they're done right, is it can look incredible. Absolutely. Do you think that, um, moving forward with all that you're involved in, what do you got set up for yourself as far as, do you have any specific personal goals and some, you know, specific business goals with, you know, what you want to do with the rest of your career or just things that you want to do personally? Yeah. Um, you know, I feel like we're, we built a great foundation for the business, right. And, um, you know, company culture is huge. You know, I mentioned that, um, Right now, I mean, my that is my goal right now is to set up a legacy for my kids. Where if they do want to come in to this, my oldest is ten. She's going. She's going to Milwaukee uh, to the convention. No. I mean, I'll, yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm like tickled. She, there's actually a zoo. She's really into reptiles, and there's a zoo that she wants to visit in Minneapolis. And she kind of, she's a smart girl. Like she's very intelligent. She kind of connected the dots. If that's not too far from Milwaukee. And so she gets such good grades that the teachers were like, you know what? She can take a week off of school. And you know what she told me? Oh, this is so cute. So I know she mostly really wants to go to this reptile zoo, right? Which I think is going to be so cool to, to spend that time with her, right? But she goes, dad, you know, I think, because I told him like, there's going to be parts that are going to bore you. Like I'm going to like the symposium before and it's like just nerd stuff, right? right. And uh, and she goes, well, I think it would be okay. I think it would be good if I learned more about wood flooring. <laughs> Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So she's like, I think, like, I think she might like some of the hands-on stuff, actually, like legitimately. But it, it's pretty funny because I told her, I'm like, hey, you can't complain if you get bored, okay? You know, blah blah blah. And uh, and she's just like, no, I think it would be great for me to learn more about wood floors. <laughs> oh, what? that's gonna last five minutes. So, hey, let me let me yeah. tell you, this is what I see. I'm. I, it's not that I'm psychic, but yes, I have psychic ability. I'm looking at you, and I'm getting a vibe here. I'm thinking that you should be putting hardwood flooring in tree houses. That's what I'm talking about. You look to me like to be the kind of guy that could take on a tree house project and make it sing. I want to be the first person to do a wood floor of the year in a tree house. Don't share it with everybody. You just <laughs> gave out my idea. You could have become famous. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I say that because when our podcast crashed, you, got, you and I got in this whole uh, tree house conversation. I once had... I got so frustrated. We had all these scraps and then 25 years in business, we got all this flooring. And they're like, why can't you sell this stuff? And it's about 200 feet and 60 feet. And I found a treehouse company and um, we sold them some and they were thrilled. We were going to do all this business, but the, it, I could give it to them free. The freight to get it there wasn't cost effective. So it, it didn't work out, but I wound up, my wife was a realtor for our, our really good friends here. And we, um, I went up and I put uh, pre-finished flooring in the treehouse. And my wife came home one day. She goes, yeah, you're closing the house. I'm like, oh, right, that's exciting. And she's like, no, you know what sold it? They couldn't get the kids out of the damn treehouse. And they love the treehouse. So the parents climbed up in the treehouse. Now everybody's up in this treehouse. And they were like, the kids would be heartbroken. 
the house was beautiful. The yard was beautiful. Uh, the whole thing was is they everybody fell in love with this treehouse. You've done flooring in the treehouse. Yeah, I did the upstairs. Yeah, we hand scraped some pine. The uh, my wife thought, oh, this is so cool. You're hand scraping the floor, and I really just I mostly hand scraped because I didn't really want to try to get a sander up. It's like in the loft <laughs> portion. Yeah, the truth I comes can, out. Like, right. like kill myself trying to get any equipment. I was like, I'll just you know I'm gonna hand scrape it. That looks like fun and. And uh, so my wife, she's like, oh, I want to try it. So she does it for a few minutes and the, the daughter does it for a few minutes. And then they go, okay, yeah, I think you'll, I'll let you finish the rest. But right. <laughs> it's, it's been, I mean, it's been cool, you know, like it started off as it is going to be a tree fort, but we're on, uh, we live on, we bought some uh, land off of some family property. So we're adjoined to a much bigger portion of land, cows and farming and all that kind of stuff. Yep. And, um, and so, um, we have these beautiful, huge live oaks and, you know, um, that show Treehouse Masters was happening, right? Where they build the elaborate oh, yeah, ones that, that you live in. And um, so by the time everybody had their say in, since it is on family property, the grandparents own it. Finally, uh, they go, yeah, we, we want something that the whole family can enjoy. I'm like, well, sky's the limit, you know, like, let me order some plans. You know, they give you like a, of course, the plans are only generic. They give you an idea of what you can do. Because it's kind of like you could build a one tree tree house, a two tree tree house, you know, multiple. We did a three tree tree house because uh, I could build a 7,000 pound tree house. <laughs> right. With air conditioning and electricity. And you come home and there's no kids in that tree house. Your wife's up there, the local bridge club. How many people can you put in this tree house? Who have you found in this tree house that aren't children? There had to be somebody. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, we have, uh, um, people want to Airbnb it, you know, right. <laughs> they, they, uh, we, uh, um, the kids have sleepover. We do Girl Scout meetings there. Like my wife has done like women's group stuff there, <laughs> you know, it's, well, it's just everybody, you know, they just like, they just feel like a kid again when they're in there, you know, and it's, you know, um, yeah. And so, uh, uh, it's definitely got a lot of it. I've used it to market the business, you know, like, oh, well, like where are these pictures? Are they on your, yeah. are they on your website? Is that where they're, do you have them on your website? Mostly on social media. I need to add. Yeah. Them go to, to what, go to though. Facebook or whatever. And look at this. Cause yeah. you know, when you're a kid and you like, you drag your little buddy to, right to your mom. Right. And you go, um, Hey, uh, can Maddie come over for dinner and then also sleep over? And she's looking at you like, really, you're going to do this right now. This is what we're going to do. I'm, I'm asking Kim Walgren from Woodfloor business magazine. Can we do a podcast at Maddie's tree house? Cause I think that would be great. Imagine what you get, like oh, you, get, you, you get Michael Purser, Spriglin, you, me, Jake Schlichty, let's all get in this tree house. That would be, that's it. That's the plan. We're doing this. I don't care we if I got to do it. I'm going to do this myself. We're going to have the Treehouse uh, Floor Guys we, program. Yeah, it would be like like the deadliest catch, you know, where they're that's all playing poker. That's what I'm saying. Getting, that's the whole yeah, idea. Time. Yeah, you know, in the treehouse. You know, I mean, well, what better environment, right? You're like, we all work with wood and we're literally in the trees, you know? I guarantee every single one of us probably at some point in our yard hauled some plywood and some nails up a pine tree. And I once fell out of one that the top of it broke. I, I landed on my tree house. So there is a whole different vibe, right? When you get up there and you start framing 
and you feel like you're up in a skyscraper, you're you know six feet off the ground, and you got these old nails that yeah. you found in a bucket, and your dad's like, oh god, they're nailing stuff in the trees again, and then somehow something always catches fire, or <laughs> somebody yeah. bring it up. Now you got to put your radio up there, and now you're practically into the microwave and everything. I think with that we've got to find a way to have some type of a. a a quorum at your treehouse. I think that would be oh, outstanding. It, yeah, I'm all I'm on board. I'll make it happen on my end. That there's no shoot. I would be. I would just feel like a kid in a candy store if that happened. But uh, it, it is an experience. Being it's on a floating pat platform. You can't you can't have rigid connections no. like because the trees have to sway and move. So when 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 the wind gets going, I mean, it's made to float. And so it, it moves and it's, I mean, it's all structurally sound and everything, but it's, it's an experience. Let's, let's just say that, especially when you've got the scale of the size of this thing. You know, get a, get a little wood burning thingy and every, any floor pro that visits, we get, we'll get to burn our name into something. I think that would be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, listen, you know, I've got to let you escape at some point, which always leads us to the favorite part of the podcast, which is your quick fire rapid questions, which you've never heard before in your lifetime. So I want you to answer them as quickly as possible. And then I will let you escape the podcast being our second visit by you in over 48 hours. So <laughs> are you ready for your, your quick fire questions? You got it. Here we go. What is your biggest pet peeve in flooring? My biggest pet peeve is when people don't have attention to detail. If you had to pick one installation or say in the finish, you can only do one, which one would you rather do? Oh man, I, I'd have to go insulation. That's it's just, yeah, it's, it's my passion. That's what gets me going. If you weren't um, in the wood flooring industry, what do you think you'd be doing? Oh gosh, I um, I think I would be in um, like a fishing game, outdoors game warden type type. It's it's a bit different than wood floors, but that I love the outdoors, and that that would probably be where I'd be. That's actually what I was going to school for. Can you remember maybe the worst thing that's ever happened to you on a hardwood flooring project? Uh, getting a call that a place had burned down <laughs> it wasn't our fault but oh man that's that's it's nearly it's traumatizing it happens uh of all this stuff that you own what's your favorite floor tool like nobody touches this this is mine what's your favorite flooring tool uh i love what you can do with routers yeah um what's that what do you think that what's the best thing about being a, a wood floor pro i think having that instant gratification of seeing what you're produced and every project being so unique. All right. Lifetime movie channel time. And they're doing your story. Who, what actor plays you? Oh man. I, uh, I peed next to Clint Eastwood in the year on a urinal and didn't realize it until I like realized what was happening. Oh no. <laughs> so I'm going to go with Clint Eastwood. He's a pretty cool dude. Being the man. Uh, what are you most proud of in your career? Um, I'm proud of what we will be built in our, the culture of our company. Let me ask you a question. I always ask this about people's homes, but we already know that in your showroom, you got in your showroom, you've got, you know, the wood and the tile, the all these other, I'm sure you get SPCL, you get all that stuff that you shouldn't have. So that's points against you one down there. 
How about let's make it easy. In that tree house, is there carpet in the tree house? No carpet in there. Yay! None. That is the right not even, answer. Not even, there's Matthew. not even drywall in the treehouse. It's all wood, baby. That is what no we're candles talking about. allowed. I'll just oh my say that. God, was it uh, Daryl Hall had what is it? He had his show where it's at Daryl's house. We're gonna have the treehouse at Matt's place. This is gonna be great. Uh, yeah. Matthew Garcia, thank you very much for taking your time. I'm gonna talk with you in like 30 seconds to make sure I don't tell you that we lost our recording i'm not touching anything everything looks like we got it wrapped up you're brilliant you're one of our favorites let's do this let's do this a third time so that other people will get jealous and ask to get on here again oh absolutely yeah well hey we got to do the deadliest catch you know like get we're, we're gonna together. do this so that that would count <laughs> if, if what for business magazine is listening we still are pushing this bringing all the big heavy hitters together and talking to you might have to censor a lot of what we have to say but i think it would be very entertaining <laughs> <laughs> yeah. ladies gentlemen everybody welcome if you're a floor pro bring it listen thank you very much matt i greatly 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 appreciate you especially that this is the second time and you had the patience enough to talk with me no one else has this is a you're a very patient person so i appreciate it uh, I appreciate you, and uh, this has been a great experience for me. So I'm definitely walking away with uh, with uh, something to, to take away with. So. Well, congratulations to you and your success and your family. you got a lot of stuff going on that's good, brother. I know we will be talking again soon. Sounds great. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Matt. Take care. Catch you later. Bye. This episode was brought to you by Horizon Forest Products, a company that offers customers over 75 years of industry experience and one of the most comprehensive inventories in the industry. If you would like to read Matt Garcia's recent article about routers in wood floor business, or you'd like to see his design award-winning showroom floor, just go to woodfloorbusiness.com and enter Matt Garcia in the search box. If you don't get your own copy of Wood Floor Business, make sure you click on Magazine while you're on the website and sign up for your free subscription. And speaking of subscribing, if you liked this podcast, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review all things Wood Floor. Thanks for listening.